0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 167, about Luke Cage, season 2, episode 11, The Creator. Welcome back, fellow defenders, to episode 167, and we are looking at the creator, episode 11 of season 2 of Luke Cage. The creator of what? Bushmaster? Definitely. Uh, what a great episode, and I cannot wait to review it. Uh, I am one of your
1: reviewing hosts, John. And I'm your other reviewing host, Derek. Unfortunately, Chris is still unable to join us uh, for this episode, but he will be back for the last two episodes of Luke Cage Season 2. Um Yeah, this is going to be a good one to talk about. Looking forward to it. But remember, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, go over to our website at com, and you can pick up a podcast app of your choice to subscribe to the podcast uh, we'll be finishing up our Luke Cage coverage with episode 13 of season 2 of Luke Cage so if you're on iTunes and have subscribed just to our Luke Cage on Defenders TV podcast over there make sure you go and subscribe to the main feed over on Defenders TV podcast where we'll be covering Iron Fist in the future which is hopefully coming out later on this year we've had it confirmed that's coming out in 2018 but as we record right now the date hasn't been revealed uh, it'll be revealed at San Diego Comic-Con this weekend in fact Today, as we're recording, the panel for Iron Fist is going to be on, uh, but we don't have it just yet. We don't have the date just yet. And by the magic of technology, we now do have the release date for Iron Fist Season 2. As you probably heard at San Diego Comic-Con at the panel for Iron Fist, the release date has been announced for September 7th of this year. So a little bit earlier than we thought. I think we'd speculated it was going to be coming out in November. So a couple of months earlier, but uh, really exciting that we're going to get to see Season 2 coming up in September. That's really cool. Um, Very exciting. Some cool little tidbits and information uh, on the panel. We won't talk about that just here. We'll talk about that later when we start talking about Iron Fist Season 2. Yeah, so exciting
0: stuff for Marvel Netflix. Iron Fist 2018 mm-hmm. Season 2 uh, to see how the immortal Iron Fist gets on. Of course, great to have him cameo for an episode in this season
1: Mm -hmm. of Luke Cage. Yes, it was, and very, very likely we're going to see a crossover with Misty and possibly Luke Cage himself as well in Iron Fist Season 2. Yeah,
0: let's hope. Uh, We are going to get into our spoiler-filled review of Episode 11 of Luke Cage. But before we do, a quick reminder that if you're interested in Wolverine the Long Night, you can head on over to stitcher.com forward slash premium and use the defenders promo code. Uh, please just type in defenders and you get a month of Stitcher premium free. And of course, now all the Wolverine, the long night scripted podcast episodes are available to take down all 10 episodes. This offer is open to anyone uh, listening to the podcast please share the offer and of course it is open until September of this year uh, so we highly recommend uh, this scripted podcast from Marvel a very good investigative storyline uh, with Wolverine who is played by Richard Armitage so definitely um head on over
1: to stitcher.com forward slash premium yes go check it out it's available up until september 2018 in case you're listening in a later year as well <laughs> some as some of our listeners are going back through our schedule of programming uh, going back through the years hopefully we'll have another offer coming up for you after that one expires at the end of september john i think we should get into the episode i think absolutely derek what are some of the episode details Yep, this episode was written by Nicole Moranti-Matthews and Matthew Lopez. We've talked about Nicole before on our episode 7 discussion as she wrote that episode, and we also discussed Matthew as he wrote episode four of this season get physical as well so uh, they've both been heavily involved in season two of luke cage by
0: their powers combined they gave us an absolute
1: stormer uh in this episode as well mm-hmm. and who
0: directed it
1: yeah speaking of giving us an absolute stormer, we've got steven sergic back in the director's chair for this episode he's directed at least one episode of every season of the netflix shows from daredevil jessica jones season one luke cage season one he did take a personal over there uh, which is episode 10 uh, he's also directed episodes of iron fist the defenders and punisher the only show he hasn't directed on was jessica jones season two because of the choice to have all female directors for season two of jessica jones but he's back again for season two of luke cage yeah great to have stephen Sergic back really
0: really um great having his I and input for
1: Luke Cage Season 2. Absolutely, he also directed an episode of Lost in Space this year, the new reboot, uh, uh-huh. the epi- episode 8 of the show, which I'm not going to talk about because you may not have seen the series, but it's probably my favourite episode of the season of Lost in Space. It was a really, really exciting episode and really well directed. Loved it. Stephen also came over to our Facebook group uh, on facebook.com slash groups slash Defenders TV podcast and told us about this episode. He said we shot the origin scenes of Bushmaster in Trench Town in Jamaica. It was my showrunner, cheer Hadari Coker's, I That we should be as authentic as possible and shoot in the place that the character grew up. It's a great idea, especially when these shows have always been based in New York and filmed a lot on the streets of New York to reveal the characters that we have all the way through all of the Defenders, uh, as New York is kind of a central character for all of them filming there. And then to go over to Jamaica and actually film in Trenchtown for these scenes of Bushmaster. Absolutely right. It does add that kind of extra bit of authenticity to the character. There's some great panning shots as he drives down the streets of Trenchtown or walks down the streets of Trenchtown with a camera, picking up the actual scenery around where this kid would have grown up.
0: Yeah, it it looked really, really good, really fascinating, and certainly given the um the the use of somewhere in downtown Manhattan as a stand-in for China back in Iron Fist. Uh, <laughs> this was really good to see authentic Jamaica um, and looked uh, amazingly rich and
1: colourful. Mm-hmm. You'll never let that go on Iron no, Fist. No, you? do not But, Job, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode?
0: Sure. With smoke still hanging thickly in the air from the brutal scenes at Gwen's restaurant... A 38mm bullet provides a link to Mariah Stokes, and a trail of blood from the scene suggests a witness. Shaken by Mariah's ferocious act, Luke combs the city for the witness, and finds Anansi's wife Ingrid, who refuses to testify, preferring justice to be served by the family MacIver. Flashbacks reveal the fateful encounter between Stokes and MacIver families, Debt, Deals and Death, and also reveals the role of Nightshade in the survival of John McIver as a boy back in Jamaica. But back in Harlem, Tilda administers Nightshade yet again to heal Bushmaster, setting him on a path to vengeance as he learns about Mariah's massacre. Meanwhile, as Mariah consolidates her position, she goes against the Stokes family rule, making a deal to start selling heroin in Harlem. As Shades confronts her about this and her recent actions, he ends their relationship and chooses to surrender himself to Misty
1: Knight of the Harlem Precinct. Yes, confronts her about some things with a pair of hands around her throat as well. Some amazing moments. It's been suggested, as we've been discussing in our spoiler posts over on our Facebook group, that one of these characters won't make it out alive on the season, either Mariah or Shades. And absolutely, as Shades wrapped his hands around Mariah's throat, I thought she was done for. I thought they were doing, you know, like she did to Cornell Stokes, taking him out when he pushed her too far. I thought she just pushed Shades too far and Shades Shades was going to take her out in this moment.
0: Yeah, it was touch and go there. I Mm -hmm. definitely thought Mariah was a goner. Uh, I'm so glad she isn't. And I suspect that a lot more pain... Um, and uh, justice is going to come from all sides uh, against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a good job she is building that safe room absolutely. down in the basement of Harlem's Paradise <laughs> because I suspect she will need it at some point very, very soon. Yes, and not necessarily just from Bushmaster, to be honest. No, absolutely. I think there are a number of people lining up to take a pop, but... On to our first bullet point, bullet Mm -hmm. point number one. Anansi's wife Ingrid survived that massacre at Gwen's.
1: Yes, she did, and she has a great role in this episode. I really like how she's spread throughout the episode. I like that you know she's hiding out, and there's kind of a race to find her going on. We have Misty, who's trying to find her to finish the investigation, to complete the kind of steps between all of the things that she knows have happened, but she needs a witness just to tie it all together. We have Mariah, who's obviously out to kill her in shades, uh, who want to kill her and take her off the table so that they don't uh, complete that investigation. And then we've got Luke after her who wants to protect her at all costs, wants to find her and make sure she's okay. I like that she plays this kind of pivotal role throughout the episode. I think mean, it's a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the great thing about um Ingrid here is that You know, she does persuade Luke. He is going to take her into the precinct to help out Misty. You know, Misty really has said, don't damage my investigation. Mm -hmm. You know, really help me out here. And ultimately, in the end, by staying faithful to Ingrid, he doesn't help Misty uh, out here at all. You know, and she she gets pretty annoyed at that. But I, I like as well here with Ingrid, it is that narrative... Uh, and we have it a few times here where, you know, the, these parallels between Luke and John MacIver uh are are kind of brought out that they you know they look to protect their own and so on, but at the same time some of those subtle or maybe not so subtle differences between these two um also uh play out. You know, specifically I think from Luke, who's really kind of going, I'm nothing like this guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think he makes reference to the fact that he would never put his loved ones in harm's way, for example, which he thinks is what uh, Bushmaster has done in this case. Mm -hmm. And especially with what's happened at Gwen's restaurant. But I, I think as well, even just with Ingrid talking about, um, she can see the anger in Luke's eyes that, that pent up anger, that frustration, uh, and that John has that as well, but he releases his, whereas Luke keeps his tightly, uh, inside and she goes that is far more dangerous so some really nice insights i think from from ingrid into luke cage and these parallels between uh, luke cage and uh Bushmaster as well i really yeah. enjoyed those actually
1: yeah i wish you'd learned a little bit more from danny when he was around telling him to focus his chi and telling him to lose that anger because it seems like it's still there from the first moment of this episode we see him completely freaking out when he gets to at uh, gwen's restaurant and sees the damage that Mariah's done. You see, he just wants to kill Mariah. He says, I should have let her burn to. Misty. So, uh, so he's definitely kind of losing it still. He hasn't learned the lessons he needs to learn from Danny yet. I think there might be another visit on the cards potentially in season two of, uh, of Iron Fist. Yeah.
0: I mean, Luke is pretty, um, pretty angry here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he also says that I should have snapped her neck,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. so,
0: and there is a wonderful moment from, from Misty where she goes, you know, you're bulletproof. You're not clairvoyant. Um, yeah. How are you to know? But it, it is just the shocking. Uh, scenes at Gwen's with all this death uh, uh, and quite frankly this um total death or you know no mercy being shown uh no quarter given
1: yeah yeah absolutely again wonderful scenes and wonderfully recreating the scene with misty in the background watching what's going on seeing it from a different perspective than we saw it in the last episode i thought it was really well shot and really well put together for this time i love these the way they're using her investigative abilities this season i think they're far better than they were in season one but that just comes from experience and showing them a few times and showing the different way that it all builds up i think it was really really good in this in this episode uh, but we also see as he hears the story from Ingrid and decides to protect her and bring her out under cover of the Caribbean Parade, we do see that Shades pops up and grabs her, but can't kill her. Um, this is one of the things that we hear from Shades a couple of times that that he's not willing to kill innocents. He's willing to do what's required to be done within the underworld of Harlem, which is really cool. I think that's you know that's his way. He's willing to do anything. But when it comes to killing an innocent, especially someone whose entire family and business has just been destroyed the previous night, it looks like he completely backs off from that and realizes this is a path he can't follow Mariah down. Yeah, I mean,
0: it certainly begins to expose the fault lines here between uh, Mariah and shades and we'll come to that a bit later on in Mm -hmm. that sense but certainly um you know we see his hands shaking as he washes them and then i think the other great thing about this moment where he tracks ingrid down is you know he has the gun in her face but he just can't kill her he has these flashbacks to him killing comanche yeah and that's what stays his hand here you know all this becomes intertwined and i love how um that Murder of his, his lover, uh, his friend, his brother, um, how that comes to play out still, uh, for shades. And as you say, yes, it, it is that he will do anything to protect the interests and if they are harmed, but ultimately, um, you know, there is a code on the streets and you follow that code and the rules. Um, And it's if they're broken, they're the people you go after in in this business, not innocent bystanders. So, yeah, really uh, nice, I think, just having that additional context with Shades and the flashback, because it really plays out between him
1: and Mariah uh, at Harlem's Paradise then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we'll talk about later on. But let's go on to bullet point number two, John, Uh, because this episode is kind of framed really well with the traditional now netflix marvel flashback uh, we have had one in season one of uh, of luke cage we've had one in pretty much every show that we've had so far uh, there's been a flashback that's told us more about the story of the background characters this time we see the creation of bushmaster the real kind of setup and, and where he came from uh, i thought it was lovely done really really well done uh, our point number two is mama mabel pays a visit to jamaica um, i love that they brought in mama mabel pistol piece we have a young mariah uh, pressing her look with a young John McIver who don't recognize each other. She just tells him to get her a drink immediately kind of thing, as if, you know, she's the greatest thing in the world. This is effectively her, uh, the other side of the people that she's come to visit, and he's supposed to be waiting on her hand and foot. So uh, nothing's really changed with Mariah's attitude to anybody else.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. A young Ben Donovan as well. Yes. the uh, mm. Really nice to have uh Mama Mabel and, and Uncle Pete, the actors, back. Fascinating setting as well. I just thought that was absolutely gorgeous at that hotel. Yeah. Or, or house. I, I think it was a hotel.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. It was a resort. I yeah. A resort hotel,
0: yeah. sort of looking out across the, the forested hills and down towards the town, like absolutely amazing looking. Mm-hmm. We have a, a young Cornell as well in the pool, uh, playing around,
1: messing. Very good. Yeah. I
0: missed him. Yeah. Messing, uh, with Mariah getting her wet, splashing her while she's right. trying to read. Um So, yeah, this is really interesting, uh, this flashback, because we get to see how these two families ultimately break apart, where the beef is here. And, again, we know it's down to the club and, and the room and, and splitting this business 50-50. That's what they want to do. We've heard uh, stories of... um Mama Mabel setting fire to the house where Gwen is and Gwen trying to allow John to get out of the house and, you know, she saves him. Rather than herself, mm-hmm. um, but we, we see it here we We see this kind of bartering this deal making. It seems as though Mama Mabel ultimately burns down the house because she knows she will lose in court exactly uh, they have this frame napkin signed by Quincy McIver. And, and Buggy Stokes. Mm-hmm. Mama Mabel knows the game's up, that if this does go to court, that she is gonna have to relinquish 50% of Harlem's Paradise and the, the
1: distillery, uh, that makes the rum. So despite the laughter of Ben Donovan at the whole proposition of this, that they actually are thinking they can challenge it, it seems pretty legit. It seems like the two of them did work very closely together, but it seems like the rest of the family who got their teeth in and pushed buggy stokes to renege on the deal with um quincy and push him out of the business and not give him the half that he rightly deserves because they all came up the whole plan together you know but i absolutely love mama mabel here because she's clearly influenced mariah more than we had thought in the past there's a real mariah moment as she walks up to the burning building that she's just burnt down with the body of her rival inside her son on the floor outside and she just takes all of the papers and throws them into the burning building and says, yeah, I, I told her, you know, this is over. I told her this is the wrong thing to do. So she just burns the whole place down, burning all the documents. So there's no trace anymore that there was ever a connection between these two families. It's a real Mariah Stokes moment. Yeah, it really,
0: really is. Um, You know, totally uncompromising, unflinching, uh, you know, right in front of Johnny McIver, Really, really harsh. Uh, one of the other interesting things here as well is, you know, she doesn't seem to, uh, have any affection for Jamaica, uh, for the MacIver family. Mm-hmm. You know, she says it was always buggy that, um, liked it down here. I just thought there were far too many mosquitoes. Uh, but the great thing about this visit as well is she's joined by Uncle Pete and we see Uncle Pete Two years later, come back to Jamaica uh, with, I think it was the gun, uh, the 38mm revolver. Definitely, it's Um, his gun, remember, it's Pistol Pete's gun. And shoot two slugs into the stomach of John McIver. Mm -hmm. So, it's really interesting, because there's not really any explanation as to why that is. Whether it's just that they realised that he saw everything, he knew that Mama Mabel was there, and so it was really just cleaning up those loose ends rather than doing it there at the time they go back later they're now in trench town and so here then we get to see that connection of John McIver with Nightshade with uh, Anansi and also with Sherman as well all these people there are kind of supporting John McIver he's he's selling fruit at a, a market stall and mm-hmm. um, they're all kind of banding together and then he gets shot but Anansi takes him to a bush woman uh, where she applies nightshade to uh, John McIver and you get this sense that he's always had the the, the strength and um, there's that really nice moment where she goes it doesn't heal it reveals as the bullets pop out of um young John MacGyver yeah. uh, and I think it's really nice that you know what's mirrored back in Harlem is Bushmaster being treated by Tilda mm-hmm. with the same nightshade as you see that shrapnel sort of withdraw out of his body I love uh, that shot yeah, yeah really amazing makeup. I love the makeup as well on uh, Bushmaster with all the cuts the bruises the red eyes uh, it's just so well done. The agony and the pain. You could really feel, uh, him going through that. Uh, and I, I loved how they, they mirrored the young and the older, uh, John McIver
1: yeah. being treated with the nightshades. Really, yeah. really good. That was really cool. Really, really cool. Love that scene. The, the interplay between those two characters back and forth between. A young John McIver and a a current John McIver, current Bushmaster, is really cool. I know you said that they didn't mention why Pistol Peach shot him two years later, but you do hear him saying, this one's for Buggy. When you get to hell, tell them Buggy sent you. Um, So it is confirmation that the reason why they do it is because they're closing up loose ends it feels like potentially they went back to new york had this discussion for the last two years going why do we leave that kid alive he's the last <laughs> yeah, member of so this family me. if we leave him alive he's gonna come back kind of thing but you see he's just a, he's a street kid he's he's selling the fruit on on the street he's not like he's having any kind of thoughts of any kind of aggression towards the family. That's what it feels like.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems as though if they had left him alone, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But they went after him and it failed. And and in the end, his strength became revealed. And he, you know, uses what's happened, including the death of his mom, to then really uh, plot his way to revenge.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And I mean, just... Overall, I have to say the way the flashbacks were woven in and out of the current storyline, I just thought was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just felt so natural. Um, and you had different people telling different parts of it. I think, you know, at one point, the flashback is almost coming from Sherman. At another yes. point, it's from Ingrid. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's just a nice moment, I think, of all these different flashbacks
1: just weaving their way through this episode as a whole. And just creating the story of the creation of of Bushmaster. Yeah, I thought it was really cool and really well done. Um, Let's get on to bullet point number three, John. Tilda curing Bushmaster. Because we've mentioned Bushmaster, let's talk about that section uh, now, if that's all right. Um, So we still see that she's under pressure from Sherman to force her to do this work. At the beginning you see she's quite scared of what's happening um, but she's also having a bit of a problem because she's treating him with the nightshade but doesn't know how he used the nightshade to get his powers in the past. She's read the manual, I suppose, or the magic book, if you want to call it that, uh, that he would have used to create the potion but doesn't understand what exactly that, that leap would have been and what happened in the past. So you hear her asking Sherman a few questions about, you know, can you tell me his medical history? How long have you known him? And he's saying, well actually this guy has always been strong. He's always been able to survive things that other kids in the village couldn't survive. There's a bit of an odd discussion about a, uh, about a vaccination that's been given to all of the kids in his class and every other kid dies except for John McIver. And that's the moment they all knew it was true. It seems a bit like uh, a bit like an anti vaccination commentary, but a bit of an odd one there, but it's a moment to say that even though there may have been a tainted batch of vaccines given to these kids, he's survived because he's able to survive through that kind of pain and that kind of, uh, hurt on his body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Tilda really doesn't understand or know the, the use of nightshade in the same way that the Bushwoman who saved John McIver initially, you know, she knows it helps him. She knows the, that there's this whole history of using it to, um, Heal yes. and so on. But she talks about healing, uh, whereas the Bushwoman says that, you know, it doesn't heal, it reveals. So again, you know, she's still trying to figure out, uh, this particular recipe that she has come across through, through Bushmaster as well. She's applying it directly on the wound, not
1: like the Bushwoman. I know you keep calling her the Bushwoman, but I absolutely took that as a Nancy's mother. Cause he calls her mother as he walks into the room, but it could just be that she's a mother of the local people. But I think he calls her mom or yeah, calls her the, mother when there's he walks into the It's just some in.
0: narration. Yeah, no, I, I heard Bush woman mentioned, uh, by Sherman. Right. Uh, but as well, I did think it was Anansi's mom as well. So I think it could well be uh-huh. absolutely. And um, certainly they know one another and Anansi yeah. seems massively pleased uh, when he sees this this um this magic, this earthy magic working. So, uh, really good. Um, again, with Tilda curing Bushmaster, it is at this moment that Bushmaster and Sherman both find out about the massacre at Gwen's. Uh, and you really do wonder what's going to happen to Tilda here. You know, in the same way we were thinking it was a bit uh, touch and go for Mariah with Shades, here you're going, okay, this... Uh, really could turn out badly for her. But actually, Bushmaster seems to have um come out of this much more sort of sanguine about things. I mean, he is absolutely on a rocket path towards Mariah and whatever he is looking to do to her. But there is something slightly philosophical about him. I, I do like the fact that he says that she can go, you yes. know, and he thanks her, And even though there has been that, Uh, talk that the same blood runs through her veins so Mm. all of a sudden um, he's certainly not doing what Mama Mabel did um, in relation to him and his mom in in killing them both that there is something here maybe it is that element of Bushmaster that is most likely Cage you know that Ingrid has been talking about that there is some kind of furnace about him at the end of the day or that Just the shock of losing everyone in Gwen's has just really uh, made him focus more on the person that has done that and not necessarily their relative's.
1: Yeah, perhaps, but remember this is kind of calling back as well to the brownstone fire where he did release Tilda uh, from the the chair that she was strapped into and allowed her an opportunity to either run away or burn in the fire with Mariah that he thought was going to happen. So That's true. Yeah, so he has already released her before. She is the innocent here. It is interesting that they bring her with him uh, to see the the damage that's happening along in Gwen's restaurant, and then once they get there, they release Tilda. But she's now seen what her mother is really capable of outside of all the stories outside of everything that her mother's told her and how open her mother's been with her about the business dealings and the couple of people that she's killed in the past this is a really brutal violent scene that Tilda's just walked in on and realizes that her mother did it and is free as well at the same time so uh, quite a big moment for Tilda as well with her mother
0: yeah, I mean, you can really see how shook up she is, um, in Gwen's restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course that plays out as well, uh, later, uh, in the episode with her effectively calling time on her relationship with Mariah, where yeah. she is in Harlem's paradise and she says, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Um, and she says, I don't want to see you ever again. So, uh, you know, Mariah, increasingly is starting to lose her support oh yeah you know she tilda thinks she's crazy shades thinks she's crazy uh, and so does sugar ultimately you know mm-hmm. members of her bodyguard
1: her gang yeah. are thinking she has lost the plot absolutely um, and, and obviously luke cage started off the episode by saying he wanted to snap her neck which she hasn't really been that way inclined for any of this season, he hasn't wanted to kill her and has worked with her a few times. Bushmaster again reaffirms he's going to destroy her when he gets uh, when he gets out and gets his way. Uh, we do have just one other scene with Bushmaster and Cage meeting over the body of Anansi when um Ingrid is brought to see the body. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting scene having the two yeah me too the two people that have been rivals for the whole season that are effectively looking at each other and kind of going, well, really we could have been we could have been brothers, we could have been friends. Luke's response to we could have been Brethren I thought was very funny which is the uh, well I don't really have that much luck with brothers because uh, obviously last season it all ended off with him fighting his brother to, yeah, the, exactly. to the bitter end of the season so a uh, nice little moment there between the two of them but then Luke kind of realizes that there is some similarity between the two of them but if he does go after Mariah and does go after ha- Harlem again they're going to have to fight and there seems to be a little bit of regret between the two of them you see yeah, definitely yeah see, I
0: think that's what was so good about this um, meeting up at the morgue. You know, you have Ingrid absolutely distraught over um, her dead husband's body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you have this regretfulness between these two men um, who, again, recognize similarities with one another, um, but know that there's also a difference. um, But that maybe another time another place they would have been partners friends or brothers as bushmaster says and i i think that regretfulness that it's slightly melancholic as well i really Mm -hmm. like that um it's a great way of treating um the hero of, of this season in terms of luke cage with at least the perceived villain of 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 this piece at least up until uh when uh mariah starts going crazy you know you are there thinking this is the rival to luke and all of a sudden it's just purred back in such a nice way of these two grown men reflecting on uh, missed opportunities their anger uh,
1: and a regretful sense of remorse to some extent yes, absolutely and luke even gives him the option he tells him he can just walk out of there and go and get out of harlem and then nothing else will happen but if they meet again that's it that will be the last time they meet bushmaster reciprocates of course and says i'm really not looking forward to killing you luke um <laughs> that's still it's still a threat he's still saying he's gonna kill him but i do like the idea that they've kind of made this little bridge between the two of them yeah definitely I think with that, onto
0: bullet point number four, yes, the biggie, Mariah calling out Shades, the split of Mariah and Shades. You know, as, as we were saying before, Mariah, um, really starts to lose her crew here, mm-hmm. um, all around her. Uh, she has this stoic victory. She is this queen of Harlem, but she is sat on her own with no one else and I think this plays out so well and is so meaningful through effectively the split of Shades and Mariah. I think uh, you know all through this episode you've had Shades really struggling with what went down at Gwen's restaurant. You know he 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 says to her you used to have heart and I saw you stood over um the the body the burning body of an Anansi uh, and I saw that look in your eyes, and that was not the person who I used to know. There is, on the flip of that, Mariah saying, y- have you become a vegan? You were a carnivore, a predator. That's what I liked about uh, you. I I need you to do what Shades always does you yeah. know be there and um, stop being Hanan really kind of nice moment you know we have commented that this relationship has seemed a little fractious you know yes, we see her flirting with Alex Shades pulls a gun out to get Alex out the way and I love his response to to that where he's like I'll see you in the morning yeah. kind of thing absolutely
1: um, I love Alex the minion I just think it works really well the fact that she comes back to Harlem's Paradise and he's arranged to have this bunker built underneath the building for her. It's just a really, you know, he could be a minion. He could be yellow with the little glasses yeah, absolutely. running around the place, doing everything of her bidding. Uh, but yes, she absolutely is trying to take advantage of him. But again, you've got Shades walking back in going, Well, that was quick, wasn't it? You know, only left about half an hour yeah. ago and here you are coming on to somebody else, you know?
0: And I love the way Mariah kind of sidles up to Shades to, you know, she's running her hands around his, his body, uh, over his shoulders, his chest, really. Trying to put him at ease to say that she is his, um, and that they are working this together. But ultimately it's for naught because she absolutely pushes the buttons over Comanche. She knows that there has been this relationship between the two of them. She goes, you know, were you gay for the stay or was it a true broke back romance? Mm-hmm. She, she felt the heat. She saw the looks. Um, you know, she knows when there's something going down. So she absolutely fully aware of this, and then begins to bait Shades with, I wish I had killed him uh, myself, put those two bullets in his chest, um, you know, as she's hitting at yeah. Shades' chest, and he just flips.
1: And saying, and the reason why is so that it would bleed out. Interestingly here, we hear her once again... Go back to that thing we we saw in the first three episodes that we thought was a little bit of a joke, the fact that she could never remember Comanche's name when he was around. She's like, oh, who's that guy? What's his name again? And then she reveals she's always known who he is. She's always known about him. She goes, I would have put those two slugs in Comanche. She says his name immediately after saying that she doesn't know who he is. Um, That is absolutely mariah's manipulation this stuff that we talk about early on in the season when we're uh, both seasons when we're talking about her and go not really too sure of her motivation not really too sure if what her plan is what's going on doesn't matter whether we as the audience know what matters is she's known all along and she's keeping it from the other characters in around her and and shades more than everybody else it feels like this is the one moment he's just finally seen mariah for who she really is and as i mentioned it does feel like this could have been her final moment. She's pushing similar buttons to the ones that Cornell pushed on her until he got a mic stand in the head. Um, Absolutely. That's what this moment felt like. You know, we we have Hernan throwing her onto the table and wrapping his fingers around her neck to strangle her and then stands up and goes, you're not worth it. And Mariah's response to it as he walks out is, I'm not done with you, as if she was still in the the position of power with him once again, like real violence between these two really fantastic scenes once again
0: yeah really just amazing um scene in in the roost of harlem's paradise Mm -hmm. i think the other nice thing here that occurs in the roost is mariah uh, confronting her past as well uh with the 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 forms of Uncle Pete mm. and Mama Mabel. and Initially, it is uh, Mama Mabel, and I really enjoyed this idea that she is blaming Mama Mabel for this exact situation. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is happening is because of you. You know, every time I try to do something positive, whether it was some kind of social program, whether it was real estate, whether it was safe areas for women, children your past came and upset everything. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and I love the change as soon as Uncle Pete appears. She spills her drink and she becomes so much more of, of, of a, a nervous wreck. Uh, and I really like that. You know, she, she's being baited by Mama Mabel uh, for selling heroin. She's just had enough. I love the fact that this is kind of Mariah and her past. Uh, and I, I think ultimately with their disappearance that she
1: has said, I'm doing it my way now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic scene. And it is the true mental break for Mariah Stokes or the mental break for Mariah Dillard as she completely embraces the Mariah Stokes, Black Mariah character. Um, it really is interesting. I love that moment with Offrey Woodard as she effectively crouches behind the couch uh, as Pete appears. Yeah. She drops the drink and just kind of shrinks some Something that we haven't seen from Mariah in quite a long time. She's always very strong standing. But the minute Pete is in the room, she's crouching over and he starts to make really crude comments about her being beautiful and about her and about her daughter, Tilda, and what they've uh, accomplished between the two of them. And she's not willing to take any of that. So it is a great scene seeing this stuff and totally unexpected came out of nowhere for me.
0: Yeah, it was
1: so, so good. I think, though, to bullet point five. Yes, yes, there's just one final bullet point, really. And it's obviously that the investigation has been going on for Misty throughout this episode, trying to connect the dots between uh everything that happened in Gwen's restaurant, the killing of Nancy, and the killing of all the other people that are in there. But she gets some help out of a, a new area. We do find out that Misty's done a great job connecting the dots all the way through all the murders from Pistol Pete uh, through to... And Nancy using the bullet that she found at the, at Gwen's restaurant, but she gets a bit of help out from left field as Shades walks into view and effectively hands himself over to her and says, he's there to take down Mariah. Um, yeah.
0: So, I mean, just such a nice little twist mm-hmm. uh, towards the end here. You know, you see shades leaving uh mariah's office you're kind of like going okay is he put, going to put himself in direct kind of competition with her now uh or he's gonna go to bushmaster's side yeah uh yeah. or join another gang i'll form his own uh, and instead he goes to misty i, I love that misty's kind of a, a little kind of edgy when he first arrives and he's mm-hmm. like no i'm not here for that and he allows her simply to cuff um, her And yes, you know, if Misty had done some great groundwork with that 38 millimeter and I, I loved her going through uh, that sort of line of investigation with this um, unique bullet uh, trace that, that's kind of left from uh, the, the bullets uh, after they've been fired from that gun. Mm-hmm. She gets the cherry on top with Hanan. Coming to give himself
1: over. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But as bullet point five is called, everyone's turning. uh, There is another person, Sugar, turning himself into Luke as well. Quite interesting that he didn't go to the police. But the reason he didn't, he says it's because Harlem doesn't need a sheriff anymore. And Luke responds with it needs a king. So it looks like Luke is under the understanding that potentially the only way to fix Harlem is to become its ruler, which is a very interesting position for Luke Cage to be thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a nice turn of phrase to Mm -hmm. say Harlem needs a king. So what's happening here is is—is Luke going to kind of form a non-violent gang in a sense Mm. um, to to crush the the other gangs. Yeah, Yeah. a protective gang, almost a bit like Hell's Angels type things or something like that. Right. Or is he going to take over... Harlem's Paradise, use it for good rather than a a base of evil. Everybody Um, wants that music playing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So really interesting. And I'm most intrigued as to how this will turn out, to be honest. I I like this idea that Sugar is the... You know, is he just going to be his bodyguard and protector? You know, keep the peace, make sure that um, he's the first line of defense for Luke. So, yeah, I I find this really intriguing because I'm not entirely sure... What's going to happen? Is that phrase, Harlem needs a king coming from, uh, Luke? Is that just a nice tie in with the, the notion of what Mariah has been saying that Harlem needs a queen? Or is it going to lead to something more than this? So I'm really intrigued to see what happens here because that is the thing that I'm like, I'm just not sure about. And I really like that that was kind of the closing, uh, part of this episode. Absolutely. And I think the other thing just to remember as well is that, you know, and tilda has turned from mariah as well yes um yeah. she's the third person who has turned as we mentioned before she wants no more dealings with her mother and um, she's seen too much knows too much and again uh, does that mean we kind of won't really see tilda johnson here now for the remaining episodes or is there going to be an alignment from Tilda somewhere else, maybe with Luke or with Bushmaster?
1: I kind of think that after hearing the full story from Bushmaster about who he is and where he came from, and what his purpose is, and the fact that he needs her as well to to kind of administer these drugs for him uh, and not kill him, I kind of think there might be an alignment there with Tilda and Bushmaster. Not the way that we were thinking earlier on in the season or that Chris was thinking earlier on in the season that she was bad and she was going to be a bad guy by the end of the season, Once again, the Netflix shows show that we have complex characters uh here. Not, they're not necessarily good or bad. There are a lot of shades of grey in here. So her aligning herself to Bushmaster doesn't necessarily mean she's going to become the sure, villain yeah. Nightshade.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah.
1: No big notes, really, on this episode. Just one thing I wanted to point out, now that we've gotten the actual creation of Bushmaster, just wanted to quickly refer to his comic book origins. They are very different. Um, he is connected to the same Doctor that created uh Luke Cage. Uh, he went to him and had the same procedure performed on him but tenfold i think is the the original version of it and then he has it performed on him again and he has even more powers than luke cage has which is why he becomes such a big adversary to him but they've really left that to the side completely and have him connected with nightshade to how he gets his powers and that's how they're bringing in tilda into the storyline so quite a good choice actually like the comic books, yeah it's
0: a really nice choice Actually,
1: like the comic books obviously written in the 70s and they're they're very simplistic versions of the creation of these characters and they kind of Tell them in one issue and then they go off and just have them battle for five or six issues afterwards. So. And he was first showed up in an Iron Fist comic as well. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct.
0: So, uh, yeah, nice little connection between Luke, Iron Fist uh, and Bushmaster, uh, as, as well. The only note from me was I just really enjoyed Mariah Stokes talking about the biometric black james bond shit as she's going into her new um underground bunker her her panic room uh, for when bushmaster comes after her and as i say i think there'll be a few others queuing up there and again alex really pleased with himself i really like alex and i hope that no matter what may happen to mariah i hope that he uh sticks around as well
1: Yes, either that or he finds another maniacal boss to be a into. I hear there's a few openings across (laughs) (laughs) ten. On that note, John, do you defend Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 11, The Creator?
0: Yes, I do defend this episode. I give this four and a half run punches out of five. Nice. Um, I really enjoyed this. I loved the flashbacks. I loved how they interwove throughout this episode. I loved that Mariah just with her actions, with embracing herself, has pushed away, you know, members of her crew, her lover and partner in Shades... And now, of course, her daughter as well. And, I mean, she's totally unapologetic for it. She's unrepenting. The sense of accomplishment when she's asked for the truth from Tilda and she says to Tilda, "Uh, I lit the match myself and shot him as well, you know. Uh, So really, um, really, really good. Mm -hmm. I loved... The, the moment where Luke and Bushmaster are, are together in the morgue. I, I think it's a really fascinating scene, actually. It, it kind of slightly reminiscent of when Daredevil and Fisk were together mm. talking about both wanting the same thing for their neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, just different ways of going about it. Now, whether Bushmaster, uh, turns out to maybe be far from that, uh, like Fisk was in, in Daredevil, mm-hmm. well, then we'll, we'll have to wait and, and find out. But, uh, I really like that kind of remorsefulness between these two men. Um, and again, the investigation with Misty, just all really, really good. Um, again, really nice push through on these characters and this story, which I'm really intrigued and that ending with luke cage saying there needs to be a king of harlem i'm really interested to see what he means by that for sure Mm -hmm. um but with that derek do you defend episode
1: 11 the creator yeah, absolutely. Defend this episode really, really good episode, and we're only two episodes left of I the know. season as well. It really feels like this season has had no dip at all, no real moment where I've gone, oh, I don't really want to watch the next one of these. We've been watching them a lot faster than we probably have in the past. We're just under a month since it was released, and we're on episode 11, so we've probably done this the fastest we've done most of the season so far, and I can't wait for the next two episodes. I can't wait to talk about the next two episodes. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on in here, but this flashback episode based in Jamaica as well. Fabulous scenery, fabulous stuff going on, and loved seeing all of these characters actually play together, rather than just hearing what was happening between Gwen and Mabel. Actually seeing them around a table with Ben Donovan laughing away, as he is accustomed to do when anybody proposes that one of his clients has done something wrong. I thought it was just fantastic to see a younger version of those characters as well. Really, really cool. Great episode. Really, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, so a good old defend here.
1: So... On to some feedback. Mm Mhm. Yes, uh, we have some feedback in through our email address at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can also leave a voicemail for us for the end of the series. Uh, You can send us a voicemail through our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com, where you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts. Uh, Our first piece of feedback is a piece of email from Lieutenant Floby, who says, Hail, fellow Defenders. Just finished listening to your review of Episode 9. Chris's thoughts on Tilda, not needing much of a push, stuck out to me. As I thought about it, I began to wonder if she didn't see this as an opportunity. In her conversation with Luke, she said if she knew how the ingredients were used or if she could get a sample of Bushmaster's blood, she may be able to counteract the effect. Perhaps with a gun to her head, she sees that she can make the best of a bad situation and get the information she needs. Anyway, really enjoying this season. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Floby. That's a really interesting idea. Yeah, thank you so much, Floby. Really, really good idea. I think one other
0: aspect as well that you kind of bring out here is the fact that in some ways we're all rooting for Luke and Mariah to stop bushmaster here yeah. you know in, in that way of Tilda might be able to find some way of reversing his powers or or neutralising him and actually now as well with what has transpired she needs to make him stronger or you know you're really not digging uh Mariah because it's all been totally upended.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely really interesting though, I wonder did she get a sample of his blood while she was treating him in this episode, that would be interesting to see
0: Well there were lots of bloody rags <laughs> <Okay>. next <laughs> to the night shade so she could uh, very well have done that actually will be really really interesting yeah
1: yeah, let's see if we can find out in episode 12 or 13 Uh, episode 9 was obviously a favourite of the fellow defenders as much as it was of ours because we also got a bit of feedback from Jamie Young over in our Facebook group about it John do you want to take this one yeah uh, Jamie Young says wow Alfred Woodard deserves the acting awards
0: for this episode I thought Riddenauer was going to be Tilda's father I'm stunned I appreciated Luke and Misty's argument about giving Mariah a plea deal. It was a sad but true reminder of how complicated justice can be. I sympathized with both sides of the argument. Mm-hmm. I officially love James Lucas now. So sad about Reggie Carthy. I wonder if they will recast him for season three. Mm yeah it was so sad to to hear about his death as well and and given that um he had just fitted in so nicely with with Luke Cage here uh, it would be interesting to see whether the character uh, comes back for a season 3 um but yeah he he has done such a nice bit of work in portraying luke's father
1: here yeah i i can't see how you'd recast him i kind of think that if they're going to use the character again it would have to be in flashbacks uh there was a bit bit of a discussion with jamie and uh and jeff childs over on the facebook group as well where jeff was suggesting maybe they'll have luke dealing with losing his father next season that could be part of season three and i think that makes a lot of sense um it's really sad that reggie cathay passed out, passed away he's done such a good job in this show and it does really add an extra kind of tinge of sadness to a lot of the scenes where himself and luke are connecting
0: yeah definitely um jamie goes on to say so glad we got to see more of Bushmaster's fighting style outside of the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. lab. I like that he no longer sees Luke as his enemy, which kind of means they're on the same side. Gotta love these sympathetic antagonists. I almost feel bad for hoping Bushmaster succeeds, provided Tilda can heal him. Mm -hmm. One more thought about Mariah. Watching her go from slightly sketchy politician to true supervillain is a thrill. I laughed with glee when she picked up that rifle and started shooting. Black Mariah is here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely so, so good um, in in this where she does that. And I think ultimately this is the moment of that change. Uh, From where maybe you were rooting for her at least to be protected from Bushmaster, whereas now you're kind of thinking she deserves everything she gets. But, you know, we've said all along she is the true villain of Luke Cage. From season one to season two. And, you know, and she has truly put on the hat and stepped
1: out into the light. Absolutely. And as you say, Jamie, she deserves all of the acting awards. So sad she didn't get nominated for an Emmy for her performance on this show. I think it just the timing of when Luke Cage came out, it was too late for them to submit it this year. And unfortunately, I think for next year, it's going to be too far gone past to submit it for next year, but she absolutely deserves an award for her performance in the show. This just in, a little bit of extra feedback from Bob Phillips on episode 10. He says, Danny's back. So happy to see him and looking much, much better than he did in his own show. The romantic trip to the top of the mountain and playful tussle was lovely. And the greenhouse fight, especially patty cake, was amazing. At to top it off with a romantic meal together. Perfect day. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> The love between Danny and Luke knows no bounds. Uh, We did talk about it a lot on the last episode, obviously one of our favorite moments of the season, seeing Danny back after going through everything he's gone through and now a much more settled character. Hopefully this leads into a great season two for Iron Fist.
0: Yeah, I think as we said on the episode, you know, that development of uh, Danny Rand, uh, it really
1: bodes well for season two of Iron Fist. Bob went on to say, I loved the meta stuff in this episode. All the layers of self reference and nodding at Easter eggs, the ease of it meant I think you didn't need to get it and it didn't spoil the flow. Yeah, all the stuff that with all the t shirts that were going on with DW talking about Paramount and Iron Fist, really cool stuff that was going on. Really enjoyed that touch in the episode. And finally, Bob says, I'm glad the rule of law restored the fortune of the evil monarchs. Even if they are a murderous scum, they deserve to be treated fairly by moderately sized Ben and his ilk. The human torch, though, too far, Mariah. And I think that's the line crossed for Shades. His climb to the light begins here. Yes.
0: Uh, really, uh, really spot on the Bob with uh, your thoughts on, on Shades. Certainly given what happens in, in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mariah crossed the line there. And, uh, shades certainly does
1: not want to follow. Yes, not willing to take it anymore. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Bob. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Bob for, for all your thoughts. It's really, really good to hear.
1: Jeff Childs also sent in some feedback on our Facebook group on this episode, in episode 11. And I think I'm right with you here, Jeff. He says the season is in the home stretch and there's still twists and turns. I can't even make a prediction how this is going to wrap, wrap up so good, Jeff. That's the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly how I'm feeling now on episode 11 of the show.
0: Yeah, really good thoughts on on just how good uh, the quality of this show is. Uh, right down to the final few episodes. Mm-hmm. I really cannot wait to go on to episode 12 now and see what craziness, what fallout is going to happen as a result of uh, this episode. Absolutely.
1: So really good. Absolutely. And I think Jeff actually is binge watching the show over the last three days because he's actually been posting comments on our, on our spoiler posts as he went. And I could see them just appearing, you know, Every hour or so I was seeing a new comment on each one of the posts and it was genuinely that he was just watching it live. So everybody watches the Netflix shows differently. As we, as you know, we haven't watched ahead. We haven't seen the next two episodes. So that's why we're able to talk about these 11 episodes completely separately with our wild theories and wild thoughts about what's going on because we don't know what's happening in the next two episodes, but we're really excited to find out and so glad that all of the fellow defenders have joined us again for another fab season so far yeah definitely Luke has been really really enjoyable and hopefully our fellow defender chris will be back for the last two episodes of uh of our luke cage coverage
0: yeah well it would be certainly good to get his thoughts uh on the last two episodes as mm-hmm. well and again if you want to hear our thoughts on any of luke cage season two on any of the marvel netflix uh, shows and indeed upcoming with iron fist season two as well later on in this year mm-hmm. please subscribe to the podcast at defenderstvpodcast.com you can pick any good or evil bulletproof or bullet riddled podcast catcher just search defenders tv Uh, subscribe rate us and leave a review sharing the love uh, by sharing the podcast is a great thing to do uh, and thank you so much for listening
1: Absolutely, yep. Thank you so much for listening, fellow Defenders. We'll be back with our review of Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 12, Can't Front Me, next Friday, and then our finale review the following Tuesday. Yep.
0: It's getting close to the end of
1: Luke Cage Season 2,
0: and what a great season this has been. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As always, fellow defenders, thank you so much for listening. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off to go into my James Bond bunker uh, and play war games or something like that. Uh, but we will be back soon uh, to speak with you again. Bye.
1: hope it has some nice dry martinis down there, John.
0: Yeah, it's got a full bar, Excellent. fully stocked bar. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Cheers, fellow defenders. Bye.